Masterpiece Theatre is brought to you by Mobile, providing the fuel that helps public television run. Masterpiece Theatre has been bringing British dramas and occasionally comedies to Americans via PBS for more than 50 years now. It's one of the longest-running shows in American television history. The show is still basking in the glory of its most recent hit, Downton Abbey, but there were plenty of others before it, like Upstairs Downstairs, the Downton Abbey of the 70s. Also about how class works in Britain, because, you know, us Americans, we like to pretend class isn't a thing here. At this point, Masterpiece Theatre has become an institution. But by all accounts, it might never have happened at all without one publicist who saw the show's potential, not for exposing Americans to British culture, but for polishing the image of the giant oil company he worked for. That man's name was Herb Schmertz, and he's something of a legend in the PR world. But today, we're going to focus on just one of his major contributions to the world of spin. Welcome back to Rigged, the story of disinformation, a podcast about the war for hearts and minds and television right here on U.S. soil. Today's trick, sponsored content. SponCon. And I think he visited at least 20 or 25 different corporations. But he finally found an entree at mobile. This is Henry Becton, a producer at WGBH in Boston when Masterpiece Theater first got going. He's talking on the Making Masterpiece podcast here about Stanford Calderwood, the president of WGBH and one of the creators of Masterpiece Theater. So he got an interview with Herb Schmertz, and Herb liked the idea. Herb Schmertz was the VP of Public Affairs for Mobile Oil at the time, the company's top PR guy. In his book, Goodbye to the Low Profile, Schmertz tells the story behind Masterpiece. And you can catch a few glimpses of his personality in this story. As Schmertz tells it, Calderwood called him up one day in 1970 and asked him if he'd been watching The Foresight Saga, a BBC miniseries that had been running on PBS. And Schmertz writes in his book, Now in those days, and I suppose the same holds true today, even those people who didn't watch serious drama on public television would say that they did. So although I had never seen a single episode, I assured Stan Calderwood that the Foresight Saga was one of my favorite shows. Calderwood was asking $10,000 an hour to sponsor Masterpiece, an incredible deal for mobile. And Schmertz didn't know that Calderwood had already called up several other companies first looking for sponsorship. It probably wouldn't have mattered because for Schmertz, Masterpiece wasn't just a good deal it would also deliver a key benefit to mobile. Here's WGBH producer Rebecca Eaton explaining why on the Making Masterpiece podcast. Herb Schmertz was a very smart guy who understood marketing instinctively. And he understood that a high-class British drama 
series on public television was exactly what his oil company needed because his oil company needed its name to be burnished. They wanted to be the classy oil company, uh, not so much to sell gas at the local pump, but in Washington to impress the policymakers, the movers and shakers. Herb Schmertz might sound like the name of a beige suit wearing insurance salesman who has one line in an episode of Columbo. But Herb was anything but beige. He was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, clean-shaven, flashy-suit-wearing ladies' man. Picture Mad Men, but for PR, Don Draper, but blonde. He had a toughness about him, earned during a decade or so as a labor lawyer. Before he held court in a corner office at Mobile Headquarters, Herb Schmertz had actually made headlines for settling big labor disputes, like the nationwide dock workers strike in 1964. He had worked on political campaigns, too, and been an advisor to JFK. In fact, he was tapped by all the Kennedys to work on all of their campaigns. And he brought these experiences into his PR work for Mobile. Later in his life, he would describe his work for Mobile as an ongoing political campaign, but for ideas instead of a man. Even people who hated Schmertz would begrudgingly admit he was incredible at his job, whether it was bullying the media into covering Mobile's point of view or using cultural institutions to turn Mobile into the thinking man's oil company. He would later talk about this as influencing the influencers or influencing the influential. And it was the driving force behind a lot of mobile funded content. Masterpiece Theatre is made possible by a grant from Mobile Corporation, which invites you to join with them in supporting your local public television station. Coming soon from Mobile Masterpiece Theatre, a very unusual television event about a very unusual group of people. In a very unusual place. Mystery introduces its latest detective, a familiar face in a new role. The woman who caught the Bombay poisoner and the blackmailer of Belgrave Square. Brilliant and modest. Winning combination. PBS had just launched itself in 1970, and in 1971, Masterpiece Theatre launched with Mobile Attached. The company had actually already dabbled in some public TV funding with donations to Sesame Street. Big Oil and Big Bird, the perfect pairing. But Mobile went even bigger on Masterpiece Theater, and it was just the beginning for Schmertz. Within a few years, he had added Mystery, another British show on PBS, this time focused on, you guessed it, crime dramas. And then there were the nature documentaries. Americans who have enjoyed the dulcet tones of David Attenborough narrating the animal kingdom for decades might be surprised to learn that it was Mobile Oil that first brought Attenborough's nature documentaries to the States. Schmertz also launched another show called Mobile Showcase on commercial TV. Less highbrow content could play in Mobile Showcase, and Schmertz later explained that it gave him a way to get mobile-backed content onto commercial channels. Content and ads that just weren't allowed on PBS. Things like this. Because I am the foreigner in another man's country. Every time I look in the mirror, I say, who is that? Yep, that's old Vern Porter. He didn't have to look over his shoulder at anybody because he's given it everything he's got every day. 
Vern Porter, and other mobile people working around the world to find and produce oil strive to build deeper understanding between our culture and others. Watch for another mobile showcase presentation titled, Ten Who Dared. Anthony Quinn is your host every week. Publicly, Schmertz and PBS always insisted that mobile had no editorial power over what masterpiece theater showed. But in an interview for a book about masterpiece later in his life, Schmertz was in the mood to spill some tea. I found the notes from that conversation deep in a university archive in Baltimore, and it was eye-opening. Here's how Schmertz describes bringing the show Upstairs Downstairs, Masterpiece's biggest hit last century, to the U.S. I just said that Mobile is going to buy this show, and if you people don't want to run it, we'll find other ways to distribute it. They said we were trying to pressure, we were trying to bamboozle, we were trying to dictate to them. We didn't try to dictate anything. I just said we're going to take the decision that this is a show the American public should see and will enjoy. Now, they characterized that in negative terms, threats and everything else, but I merely said that I could syndicate this with public television stations around the country without PBS and GBH, which I'm sure we could. That's just a practical statement of the truth. I'm not threatening you. I'm merely reminding you that you are replaceable. Classic schmertz. Oh, I thank you, Amy. When I found this interview, it was so surprising to hear him lay it all out like this that I had to call up my friend and partner in crime, writer Mary Anais Hegler, because she knows I've been fascinated by the schmertzster for a while. Mary, I'm calling you to tell you about one of my all-time favorites in the PR world. I know you've heard me talk about him before, a guy named Herbert Schmertz. Herb Schmertz. Herb Schmertz, my boy. (laughs) Yep. So he sees this masterpiece theater thing as like a cool opportunity. And he was actually one of the last calls they made. Everybody thought that it was boring. (laughs) Everybody was like, why are you bringing British cinema to the U.S.? Americans don't like that stuff. And then Herb is like, this is going to make us look a little posh. Posh, which means fancy, right? Fancy, right. Like British slang for fancy. Yes. And so okay. anyway, so he, he does it and it starts to become more and more successful. And he starts to really fancy himself a film producer, like for real. So he starts making these regular trips to London and he's meeting with all these different production companies. And he, within like five years or so... Um, from the point where mobile, from that point until like mobile stops sponsoring masterpiece, which is like another 20 years, he becomes one of the most important men in British cinema. Because if you want your show or your film to get to America, you basically have to impress Herb Schmerz. It's completely wild to me that an oil company exec became one of the most important people in TV and film in the 1970s. But his influence didn't stop with Masterpiece Theater. It reached PBS, 60 Minutes, Ted Koppel, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and even more. More on the many tentacles of Herbert Schmertz after this. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. Which is bad news because according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. In some cases, it could be a hundred times more polluted. 
data shows that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths around the world. I have a strange little problem in my neck of the woods, and that is that everybody likes to burn their garden trash and other trash too. Lots of trash burning going on in my neighborhood. Not great. Air Doctor has really, really helped. I just fire it up on days when I can tell everybody's lighting their trash fires, and it keeps the household air clean. Air Doctor is the air purifier that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, Money, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code DRILLED to get up to 39% off or up to $300 off, depending on the model. Lock this special offer in by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code DRILLED. We heard before the break about Herb Schmertz's multi-pronged propaganda parade to persuade the public that mobile oil was the classiest gas guzzler in town. Now, keep in mind that around the same time Mobile jumped on board with Masterpiece Theater, Schmertz had pioneered another form of sponsored content, the advertorial. In 1970, the New York Times opened up its op-ed pages to advertisers for the very first time. Schmertz saw this as a golden opportunity. And rather than run ads in those pages, he hired writers to pen mobile-funded op-eds. They were clearly marked as ads, but they read like all the other op-eds. And they were juicy, with headlines like, If we tell you oil companies don't make enough profit, you'll have a fit. Oil companies don't make enough profit. Sorry. (laughs) Old Herb would have loved a clickbait headline. Did it work? Surely the American people wouldn't be swayed by a British accent and some clickbait headlines, right? Well, yes, yes, they were. Herb Schmertz's campaign of culture washing was highly successful. About 10 years after Mobile started sponsoring Masterpiece, they surveyed upscale college grads and found that Mobile had a surprising amount of cred with this group of people. They didn't necessarily agree with Mobile's views, but as Schmertz put it, they knew who we were. 31% said they bought Mobile gas more often than other brands. In his book, Schmertz wrote, Our pollster was so surprised by the numbers that he wrote in the margin, mobile must be the thinking man's gasoline. The thinking man's gasoline makes about as much sense as the intellectual's weed killer or the philosopher's toothpaste. But Herb Schmertz had pulled off making mobile seem kind of classy. And in mobile marketing reports about the impact of those New York Times advertorials, the company saw major dividends. Kurt Davies from the watchdog group, the Climate Investigation Center, dug up one of these reports from 1982. They talk about having influenced the New York Times editorial uh, viewpoints. And the document says, quote, Our analysis shows that the Times has altered or significantly softened its viewpoints on conservation, moving from a total reliance on conservation to advocating 
increased production incentives to solve the supply shortage. On offshore drilling, moving from valuing environmental concerns at the expense of exploration and development to urging accelerated offshore drilling. And on gasohol, which is another name for ethanol, moving from increased subsidies for gasohol production from grain to arguing against such subsidies. So they tallying how they have affected the viewpoints of the New York Times on conservation, monopoly and divestiture, decontrol, natural gas, coal, offshore drilling, and gasohol, all things that they had written op-eds on. Sometimes the advertorials and the highbrow TV converged, like the time PBS ran a British docudrama on Saudi Arabia called The Death of a Princess. It was not flattering to Saudi, who were furious about this film, and the impact of that anger and Saudi's withdrawal of petrodollars was felt around the world. Mobile, of course, had a long history of business with the Saudi Arabians, and they did not want to jeopardize that relationship. So they placed an advertorial in the New York Times calling on PBS to pull the show. And then Schmertz even appeared on the show Open Mind in 1980 to attack the film himself. Well, my guest today is Herbert Schmertz, Mobile's public affairs, public relations, government relations vice president, who has never hesitated to raise any number of strong and strongly critical points about many aspects of the media, both public and private. Herb, thanks for joining me today. Great pleasure to be here, Dick. I, I want to turn as quickly as possible to a new fairy tale, the uh, mobile ad or op-ed piece or editorial, call it what you will. That We uh, call them pamphlets. Pamphlets, but they appear in newspapers. Yes. Uh, Before we spoke out, the accepted version was that this was an accurate portrayal of, um, of, of uh, life in Saudi Arabia. I think after we spoke out and others spoke out, it was quite clear that this was a fiction. I have the feeling that, uh, that, this, was, uh, that this had a measure of political polemic in it also. Well, that, of course, is what people were saying about your ad, A New Fairy Tale. Well, I mean... Uh, Would that be fair? No, I don't think so. Uh, a New Fairy Tale was the title of the op-ed that Mobile had run in the New York Times, criticizing the film and chastising PBS for running it. Our ad was uh, done for two purposes. One, to have the public know that if they did watch it, that it was a fiction and not, and not a factual documentary. Secondly, uh, to, to try to um, uh, urge that uh, perhaps there'd be some other uh, balancing type of um, uh, programming uh, which did occur in the one-hour panel after the show. Now, those were the kinds of things that, that clearly helped to put this show in, in, in context. Herbert, at, at the end, your conclusion in the ad, we hope that the management of the public broadcasting service will review its decision to run this film, meaning you hope they wouldn't run it. Well, or at least review, right, review it and exercise responsible judgment in the light of what is in the best interest of the United States. Right. And there you have it. Another benefit of SponCon, control and access. Schmertz didn't just have that page in the New York Times that he paid for every week or the ability to tell PBS which shows to run in Masterpiece Theater. For a period of time, he seemed to have most of the media cowed. When 60 Minutes turned its lens on itself to question whether it always did the right thing journalistically, Herb Schmertz was there to tell them where he thought they went wrong. Oh, great. A guy who's spent his life manipulating arts and culture to make oil companies look good, lecturing the country on journalistic ethics. 
this should be good. The real issue is, do you always exercise the, the maximum amount of your rights? Uh, and I think the public's perception is that you're more interested in exercising your rights to get somebody than you are in exercising your rights to inform. Ah, yes. Herb Schmertz, VP of Mobile, but also a stand-in for the public. And really, the guy who knows what sort of information the people really want from journalists. It wasn't just 60 Minutes either. When Ted Koppel wanted to talk about whether a batch of libel suits corporations had brought against journalists constituted an attack on the First Amendment, Herb Schmertz was there to say, no, not at all. Is it an effort at intimidation or just an attempt to keep an increasingly powerful news media accountable? We'll talk with a leading media critic, Mobile Oil Vice President Herbert Schmertz, and with New York Times columnist Anthony Lewis. This was a nightly news show positioning Herb Schmertz, VP of Mobile Oil, as an equally valid cultural critic as a New York Times columnist. That's the sort of position that Schmertz had carved out for himself. As much as a lot of the media complained about his treatment of them, something about it worked. It struck a nerve, and it had the effect of getting journalists to overcorrect and buy into what Herb was selling, that his and Mobile's opinions were just as valuable to the public as any public intellectuals. Herb even went up against the Wall Street Journal, hardly a hotbed of Trotskyism, even back then in its pre-Rupert Murdoch days. When the paper refused to bend to his will, Schmertz went on TV to blast him. It's Mobile Oil, the nation's third largest industrial corporation, against the Wall Street Journal, the world's most influential business newspaper. This week, the tension that normally exists between an aggressive newspaper and a hard-nosed corporation erupted into open warfare. The catalyst was an article in the Wall Street Journal about a mobile real estate project in Chicago. The journal said this woman's husband will get part of the profits. He's Percy Pine IV, and his father-in-law is Raleigh Warner Jr., who is chairman of the board of Mobile Oil. This week, Mobile canceled its advertising with the journal, worth more than half a million dollars a year, and imposed a news boycott. No press releases and no interviews. Herb Schmertz says the journal has been attacking Mobile unfairly for years. They have received documents that have been stolen from the company. Uh, They are the most widespread user of unnamed sources. They seem to be interested mostly in gossip, uh, innuendo, derogatory comments from unnamed sources, and it's been a five-year history of this. His accusations are false and very self-serving. What he seeks is a cheerleading kind of news coverage that presents a picture of mobile that he would like to present to the world. So it's a stalemate. After that, he wouldn't give them earnings reports, press releases, nothing. Herb Schmertz was nothing if not petty. Schmertz was a scourge of journalists in the 80s, but in 1988, he left mobile and returned to his first love, TV and film. My favorite little personal tidbit about Schmertz is that when he left mobile, his big plan was to create his own film and TV production company, because by this point, he was so convinced that the reason that all these producers wanted to talk to him was that he's actually good at it and that they appreciated his creative input. Like he really got involved what shows they would run. He was in charge of the casting. He picked a lot of the shows. He signed off on like artwork for the posters. Oh, so he was like a little mogul. Yeah. Yeah. 
a mobile mogul. So yeah, in his mind, he thought, well, I've been a producer for like the last 10, 15 years. So I'm going to go off and do this job, you know? And then it's like, you totally see as soon as mobile stops paying for anything, he has like no more production credits. It's like, no, dude, they really were just oh. after the oil money. It was not your creative. I'm sorry. So he went from masterpiece to two-piece. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Aww. So Herb Schmertz did not have a life in the public eye after mobile, but the trick he pioneered, sponsored content, it sure did. Today, the New York Times doesn't just let companies write op-eds. They have a whole internal brand studio that creates campaigns and writes pieces for companies. ExxonMobil hired them a couple years back to create a comprehensive campaign around the company's investments in algae fuels. These vibrant green dots, microscopic living organisms, are algae. Look closely. Algae grows almost everywhere, from murky ponds. In other episodes, we've talked about how to spot various techniques. Sponsored content is a little different. It's relatively easy to spot, although it can sometimes blend in, but most publications clearly mark it. What a lot of people miss, though, is how and why it's effective. Because on the face of it, it seems harmless. It's clearly marked, and people aren't that easy to influence, surely. But in general, companies don't tend to spend millions of dollars on stuff that isn't effective. They don't buy into communication strategies that don't work. So let's take a look at why this one is still going strong. First, it wraps your messages in the credibility of another brand. When Exxon goes to the New York Times T-Brand Studio, for example, it's not because the T-Brand Studio has hired the best creatives in the business. Sorry to break it to you. It's because of exactly what they market on the Brand Studio's website, their connection to the New York Times. No matter how well it's marked, when a story about Exxon's amazing algae program turns up on the New York Times homepage, that lends a, a certain amount of credibility. And that's what companies are buying. It furthers the idea that companies are people and that their ideas are worth listening to, that their opinions should be part of the mix of public discussion. Companies don't give to art museums and music festivals or sponsor shows on public media to be good corporate citizens. They do it, as Schmertz put it in more than one talk about mobile's philanthropic efforts, for the bottom line payout and to maintain what's called a social license to operate. This invisible permission slip that the public gives to industries and companies to let them keep doing what they're doing. Are you really going to support policies that harm the company that sponsors your favorite TV show or the music festival you go to every summer? Maybe, but it's going to take a lot to get you to turn against the company that brought Lizzo to Jazz Fest. Yeah, that's a real thing. Shell sponsors Jazz Fest now and Lizzo's coming in 2022. That's it for this time. Next week, we're going to dig into astroturfing, the creation of fake grassroots groups to push business-friendly messaging, with a look at one of the most hilarious examples of it, maybe ever. Come back for that. Thank you for joining us backstage for a behind-the-scenes look at the history of public relations. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to take this ride all the way to the end. 
Rigged is an original Critical Frequency production. Lots of documents, photos, videos, and other fun facts about the wild world of PR are on our website at rigged.media. Our producer is Martin Zaltz-Ostwick. He also scored this season. Artwork is by Matthew Fleming. Our fact checker is Ashley Braun. Our First Amendment attorney is James Wheaton of the First Amendment Project. Big thanks to Mary Anais Hegler, who you'll hear throughout this series. If you want to hear more of me and Mary joking around, check out Hot Take, the show we do about climate change. Archival tape in this episode is courtesy of C-SPAN, Vanderbilt University, the University of Maryland, and the Library of Congress. The show is reported by me, Amy Westervelt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.